My name is Tom Abbott from the University of Warwick. A new report from the University of Warwick and the National Union of Teachers has highlighted the growing problem of sexually abusive language in schools. According to the report, nearly 75% of secondary teachers and 30% of primary teachers have encountered such language being used by pupils. Dr Sean Neal of the School of Education at Warwick University carried out the analysis of the report. Sean, um, could you first of all just give me a, an overview of the report's findings? There are the two kinds of language. There are concerns about that teachers have about children not learning gender-neutral behaviour or having particular gender-specific um, expectations. And there's obviously the more serious concern they have that children use sexual language or sexual harassment against each other or against members of staff. Particularly, teachers have concern for the interests of younger female teachers and LGBT teachers who they feel are particularly at risk. What sort of examples of, of, of language use were people reporting? Well, in the first case... Teachers might try and re-educate a boy who said that activities of a particular kind were only suitable for boys and weren't suitable for girls, and there they would challenge that and make use of that as a teaching situation. The other, more harassment type of language was directed towards teachers' dress or appearance. A lot of homophobic insults sometimes directed at teachers and instances such as a teacher who was drinking with colleagues in a pub and had a pupil come in and yell at her and a feeling that had that happened in a in a more public place it would have been necessary to involve the police mm -hmm. so there's quite a wide range of things that are obviously occurring at different ages but are we talking about situations here that are genuinely <clears throat> abusive and offensive or are we just talking about the use of language inappropriate language for a given situation? Well, the latter group is definitely abusive and offensive, and, for example, heterosexual teachers will be accused of being gay or be accused of potentially being sexual abusers, and that's obviously potentially serious for teachers, given that even a false accusation of sexual abuse can lead to a teacher's career being ruined. And are, we, are you aware through this research that this is a growing problem and affecting a large number of teachers, or are these isolated incidents? Um, well, the feeling of teachers is that, like other aspects of unacceptable behaviour, this is an increasing problem. One of the questions asked for teachers who've been in the profession for seven years or more, did they feel that the problem had increased? And the great majority of those longer-serving teachers did. Um, there's a similar view among teachers in a previous survey about the levels of unacceptable behaviour overall. Mm. Is this something that is part of a, a wider problem in schools about discipline? I mean, you, you yourself have worked on previous studies looking at, uh, looking at unacceptable behaviour and um, weapons in schools. Isn't all this part of the same kind of picture? Yes, uh, there is a concern that there is less respect for teachers. Teachers feel that parents are less supportive than they were. They attribute that partly to more general cultural aspects such as the media, etc., and partly to the emphasis has been on schools competing for pupils, that the 
entire climate of accountability, etc., for schools, implies that parents should see themselves as customers of the educational service. And obviously, customers tend to be less respectful of services than used to be the case when there was more um, concern for public services. But this isn't just a question of teaching, is it? I mean, we often hear about uh, ill discipline outside of the school environment. These are broader social issues, aren't they? Yes, yes, they are. And that's obviously what the teachers Mm. feel as well. Um, There has also been an issue here because... At the moment, as the law stands at present, the rights of a teacher have been in loco parentis. In other words, teachers have the powers which a parent would have, and particularly with the recent increase in children's rights, the right of a parent to control particularly what older children do diminishes quite rapidly with age. That's why the Steer Committee suggested that the law should be changed, that teachers have a right as teachers to maintain the order necessary for effective education, no matter what the age of the pupils. Within the report, it was clear, I think, that teachers felt that they weren't getting support from school management in terms of dealing with these issues. Why did they feel that that was the case? Well, this is also a problem that was found in the previous surveys of unacceptable behaviour generally, and there particularly the view was that heads or sometimes local authorities felt there was an overriding priority to keep children in school, not to lose the number, not to reduce the number of children in the school, and therefore they would take a more customer-focused approach and they would condone behaviour which went against the individual teacher's uh, right of being able to discipline effectively. But what's the impact of that on individual teachers? Well, they're more likely to be challenged by children, and indeed not so much in this survey, though there were concerns about this from some cultural groups. um, Teachers felt that often parents were prepared to challenge the teacher's right to discipline their child. Some would argue that it's the parents' lack of discipline that's causing this problem in the first place. Why shouldn't parents take responsibility for this? Well, that, that is, I think, what teachers very widely feel. We didn't specifically ask questions about this, but obviously it's the view of teachers that parents aren't either taking responsibility for instilling discipline themselves, and often they support their child against the discipline of the teachers. Mm. This is an issue, though, that's been uh, in the media for quite a while, isn't it? We've had uh, a number of years now where ill-discipline in school has been a, big, has been a growing problem. Um, you know, what are the root causes for that? Well, th- there are several causes. Firstly, there's a tendency for society to be less deferential and that applies not only to schools but to all other institutions such as politicians and the monarchy and so on and so forth. So that's a, a general aspect where schools, like other institutions, no longer have authority automatically given to them. There's a second aspect which I mentioned earlier, which is is moved to schools being a more consumerist surface, 
and parents, and for that matter children, not unnaturally feel that as consumers they have the right to decide what they want to do. And there's a third aspect, which is that the move towards forbidding particular types of disciplinary behaviour by schools um, and supporting the rights of children against discipline and for example most obviously corporal punishment not I think that that was particularly effective but it was a symbol that schools had a power to do treat children in a particular way there are very strict sanctions against teachers using touch against pupils etc um, the normal practice is that if a school if a child challenges um, some behaviour which, which the child thinks unacceptable for the teacher, the teacher is likely to be suspended. There's the General Teaching Council which looks at examples of malpractice. So all these things, uh, even if they're justified themselves in ensuring that children are treated properly, reduce the amount of authority that teachers automatically have by virtue of being teachers. And this is why there is this move to change the law to make the rights of teachers to be specifically enshrined in law, by that I mean the rights to discipline, mm. as opposed to being something that relates to common law. Are we too frightened to discipline children anymore? Um, well, it's obviously a, a much wider issue in terms of how children should be treated in the family, etc. Mm. Um, and it's obviously going beyond the remit of this report to look at things like whether parents should be allowed to punish their children and if so, how. Um, but I think that the there is the problem that, going back to a previous issue, school managements can be frightened or local education authorities can be frightened to enforce strict discipline on children and they tend to have to use more thorough procedures mm. and that gives the child an opportunity to um, put its side forward and this may make it more difficult for teachers to have automatic mm. authority. You mentioned the uh, you mentioned when describing the report that there was this element of uh, language that was sexist and language that was sexual. Mm -hmm. There's a very big difference between those two things. Should we be treating them with the same seriousness, or do they require different? Uh, do they require different strategies? Should we even be concerned about them both in the same way? I think the teachers were concerned. I think what the teachers felt was that the fight against sexist language or gender stereotyping should be. Um, part of the school curriculum, it should be part of the school procedures, and that, for example, this sort of language ought to be covered by procedures in the same way as racist language. That, in other words, if there is an undercurrent of um, disrespect for a particular group in the school, then it makes it much more difficult for individual teachers to oppose, deal with discipline, uh, overt types of behaviour which are bullying, harassment, etc. And I think the view of teachers was that 
this applied just as much to sexist behaviour as it might apply to racist behaviour. Mm. But in terms of sexual language, that's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by sexist behaviour, I'm meaning sexual insults. I mean, the, the survey included a whole variety of um, expletives, uh, which ended up with large numbers of asterisks, so I don't think we'll quote them here. Um, and even if children weren't using expletives, they were often using some pretty explicit and colourful language mm. to describe um, what they thought about the appearance and behaviour of particular teachers. I was surprised, actually, at how high the uh, occurrence of, of, of this behaviour in primary schools actually was. Are we witnessing um, ill-discipline in schools coming down the age range? I think the view of the teachers very much was that often children had picked up this language and were using it without fully understanding what it was. So, in effect, the problem is more that either through other people in in their lives or through what, for example, they've seen on television, they're exposed to language and merely see it as part of presumably acceptable way of interacting. Um, Obviously, there are cases. Um, there's a case of a teacher who did, in fact, report to her head teacher, who followed a couple of small boys down the corridor and was amazed at the graphic things that they were talking about to each other. So there obviously are instances where younger children use this language in full knowledge of what it's all about. But the teacher's view was that very often they simply were using these words because they were words which were in normal currency in their in in their experience mm. in that instance then do we have to kind of accept in some ways that these words are becoming more um, common and that we have to accept their usage or do or should we be concerned that these words are becoming more and more acceptable um I think this is um, it's an issue slightly outside mm. the report, but one of the things I noticed when in the process of writing it is that even if you look at broadsheet newspapers, language which would have been very much expletive deleted two or three decades ago is now used as, for example, adjectives are used where there would be a perfectly acceptable non-sexist adjective to convey the same meaning. And in that sense, it's become part of the normal currency, even of relatively respectable communication. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't think it's got into parliamentary language yet, but it's presumably only a matter of time. Mm. I mean, a lot of the work that we've discussed, both on terms of sexual language, but also the use of weapons and, and ill-discipline, um, we're kind of painting a picture here of, of uh, classrooms being somewhat likened to a battleground, I guess. Um, is that really is that really the case, or are we dealing with kind of things around the edges at the moment? Only, only seriously so in a minority of schools. So, for example, in the unacceptable behaviour survey, we had a category which was did they encounter it monthly, weekly, daily, mm. and some indignant people crossed out daily and said every lesson. And one of the points that has been made in a couple of these surveys is that teachers say, no, I don't encounter this problem now. I moved into this school to get away from it. So there is 
a turnover of teachers who go to places where they don't have to suffer this sort of problem. They go into rural areas, they go into private education. And, of course, there is now a very much higher turnover of teachers. I think at the moment the estimate is that new teachers last on average less than five years. So it may well be that this accounts because the general feeling is that younger teachers suffer from it particularly severe, suffer from all these problems particularly severely and it may well be that the ones that are still there are ones who either know how to deal with it or have found somewhere where it's a less serious problem. Mm. So is the risk then if we don't try and tackle these issues that we end up in a situation where we have a major shortage in, in teaching staff? Yes, at the moment recruitment does seem to be quite healthy, but there is a great problem, for example, at, at the moment in recruiting head teachers, um, and there are a number of explanations for this, including the amount of bureaucracy they have to deal with, but obviously being the person who is accountable and will be removed if discipline in the school is ineffective. Um, there are quite a number of people now who would have been head teachers and have decided they don't wish to put their career uh, at risk of coming to an abrupt end like that. Um, it's possible that the current fairly reasonable supply of teachers in most areas may become less good, particularly because a majority of teachers are now um, somewhere around the 40 to 60 mark and are likely to retire quite in, in quite a short period. Mm. Um, there is going to be a decrease in the, in the school child population, but there may be a more rapid decrease in the teacher population. Mm. So what strategies should schools be employing in order to tackle this problem? Well, the feeling of, of the respondents was that there needed to be much more effective support by senior management. Only, only about half the respondents actually reported incidents to senior management, um, and very often because they felt they would be better dealing with them themselves. I mean, there's obviously an argument for that, because if the teacher can deal with the events... For example, there was a case where a teacher was quite seriously insulted by a secondary boy and answered him back, and he was then very seriously embarrassed in front of all his friends and obviously was very unlikely to repeat the offence. So there is firstly the element that teachers feel they need more support in dealing with these incidents and they feel they need, need more unquestioning support from senior management and then a whole variety of strategies particularly to get equal respect enshrined in the curriculum that senior members of staff, school governors etc should be protected, should be trained to respect this sort of language. Interestingly some of the other suggestions were things like security or surveillance and those were felt to be rather less important for this sort of behaviour than they had been felt for weapons. I mean, teachers felt that for weapons the best protection was a secure perimeter. They didn't feel it was so important for um, sexual language or harassment.
Do we need legislation to deal with this problem? I think that given that it's a subset of the overall control and discipline, then it's quite likely that if the law is effective, in, if the change law is effective in giving teachers more authority, it's going to give them more authority in this sort of aspect as well. I mean, for example, um, when you come to serious indiscipline or violent indiscipline, in the 90, it's only in the 2005 survey, about half the teachers had seen a weapon in school, about a quarter had seen a weapon being used... Um, there was only about a 50th as much actual actual sexual violence where um, teachers were being physically attacked. Um, so in that respect, my own feeling is that if the regulations allow teachers to maintain authority and control in general they can use that power to maintain control and authority in this respect, mm. though obviously they they would themselves very much welcome an explicit written policy which militates against this sort of thing in school. Sean, thank you very much.